Welcome to this episode of CTU Speaks. Vote yes on workers' rights. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher. So I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I'm your co-host, Jim Staros, and I'm joined with... Andrea Parker. How you doing, Miss Parker? I'm doing well. It's election season. It is election season. Kind of scary. Kind of fun, kind of interesting, all those things. Like a mystery or a thriller, you know, or even a horror film. Well, let's hope it doesn't end up as a horror film. That, that would be bad. We, we had that a few years ago. We're we done with that now. We are? I hope. That's why we got to get out and vote November 8th, so it won't end up like that. No, I agree. It's all kind of crazy stuff going on. What, so what are we going to be talking about on this episode? Well, it's very important. So this November, workers' rights are on the ballot in Illinois. A yes vote would add a new section to the Bill of Rights in Illinois Constitution that would enshrine the right of workers to collectively bargain over wages, benefits, and workplace safety. So a lot of times we're thinking about the governor's race and other uh, people who are running for a particular office, but a lot of times we as voters overlook amendments and referendums. So it's very important that you look at that entire ballot and don't forget to look at the workers' rights amendment. You have to vote yes. And we're going to go in detail in just a few seconds about what that means. Yeah, I mean, it's very important because as Ms. Parker here said, it you know, we always focus a lot of times on the, the personalities that are going to be there. But really, these laws and these amendments to our state constitution are going to be there well past any of these people that we elect this November. So we got to make sure that this is part of the constitution, that we protect the rights of workers here in the state from any kind of people. If we get some crazy people back in office, we get a rounder, we get a whoever, <laughs> whoever, rounder number two, rounder junior. Which we're not going to have that, but just in case, we need to make sure that our, our constitution protects those rights because we've seen rights all around the country getting destroyed. The rights of women to make their own choices, the rights of people to be able to collectively bargain. Had it been enshrined in that state constitution, these, these rights would have been protected. Yes, and I just want you all to think about as listeners where we have come from as workers. Just think about before we had any rights as workers. We were always in dangerous situations. There was no cold on danger. You can work in dangerous situations. You can have children working. You, A lot of us didn't have maternity leave. We didn't have sick leave. There were just so many things that we didn't have. And we are advancing so much as workers and gaining more and more rights that we have the right to be able to collectively bargain with our employer to make sure that we are treated respectfully. That's all it is, to make sure that we're treated respectfully and that we're not abused uh, by our employers, which what still happens in many cases. So this is a no-brainer. I need you to vote yes, because we don't want to go backwards. And voting yes to having an amendment, no matter who's in office, this amendment is there. And we'll be protected no matter we have a rounder or whoever else in office. That's right. Remember, have our voice organized. An organized voice equals organized power. When the workers get together to speak, that's what this is all about. It's to give the, the regular working class people the collective voice to say what they need and what needs to be in their workplace. So don't believe those propaganda type of ads that you see on TV that is speaking against you and saying that workers' rights are not good. The, this propaganda is coming from the rich who don't want to give you workers' rights. The overwhelming majority of people in 
Illinois are working people. They are employees. And we need to get respect so we can have livable wages, so we can have a nice life, so we can be able to, you know, have and support our families. That's exactly right. And we've got two great guests that we're going to have. We've got Kimberly Walls-Kirk, who's the chair of the CTU Political Action Committee. And the Political Action Committee here at CTU is that wing of the organization that allows us to be able to push for things like the Workers' Rights Amendment. Uh, We can't use regular dues to be able to lobby for political activity. So this Political Action Committee uses the the PAC money that's a separate donation that's given from uh, members you have to have a separate checkoff on your on your box for your donations and that goes to support these kinds of bills these kind of um, people running for office that are going to reflect the values and the desires of CTU workers here in Chicago and we're also going to have Senator Robert Peters of the 13th Senate district which is a very very long senatorial district along the lakeshore going from Chicago Avenue all the way down to 115th Street. This used to be uh, the old Senator Barack Obama's district back when he was just the Illinois senator, the guy nobody knew about before. And now all of a sudden he's going to be president. Maybe maybe Mr. Peters will be president. Who knows? Who knows? We get this amendment passed. That's right. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's jump over and see and talk to our guests. Shall we? All right. So today we'll be speaking with CTU Political Action Committee Chair Kimberly Walls-Kirk and State Senator Robert Peters about what the Workers' Rights Amendment would do and why it's important to get a big yes from all CTU members and workers on this measure. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Pretty good. Thank you. Yes. Thank you all so much for being here today. Uh, First off, we're going to talk about the Workers' Rights Amendment. So can you all explain to us what exactly is the Workers' Rights Amendment and what will it do? So um, from, from what I've been um, understanding and what uh, my research has done in regards to the uh, workers' right amendment is that um, it's, it allows people to um, negotiate their wages, the hours they work, um, their working conditions, uh, protects their, uh, their economic welfare, and basically their safety at work. Would you like to add to that, Robert? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've seen sort of right-wingers in Wisconsin, Indiana, um, in Illinois, we had Bruce Rauner, and these were all people who were, quote unquote, right to work people um, that were attacking workers in their states. And so this is essentially protecting workers, protecting, you know, collective bargaining and putting that in the Constitution um, as a right. And it's really countering what we've seen from Kansas, Wisconsin, Indiana, and a whole host of states that surround Illinois. And even here in Illinois, when Bruce Rauner tried to kind of do the same thing, it protects workers and sort of fights back from that right wing movement. So why is it important to put it in the Constitution? I mean, we have we have uh, collective bargaining rights already here in Illinois. So why put it in the Constitution? It's like the most definitive way to protect that right. It becomes constitutionally protected. And in Illinois, the courts and the Constitution is extremely important especially in the legislative process, so that if this becomes something that's in the Constitution and protected, you can't simply just go to the legislator and say, oh, wipe it out. You know, it's sort of a fundamental right in the state. 
Well, I know the the Illinois Policy Institute, which is a right-wing lobbying organization and other right-wing mouthpieces, have been putting out all kinds of advertisements on TV and the radio. They're even interrupting my YouTube watching sometimes, you know, talking about how this is going to destroy jobs, raise taxes, blow up the state, zombies are going to attack everything. What do you say in response to that and, and their attacks on this? They don't want workers to have those rights uh, that they collect above, and they don't want to allow teachers, other workers, plumbers to have the opportunity to speak on those safe working conditions. As we know, as teachers, you know, our, our safe working conditions is what? Is our students' learning conditions, you know? And when we, before we decided to go back in the building, you know, uh, for COVID, we had to make sure that our students and our teachers and our staff were protected. And so we had to do go through that uh, negotiation with Chicago Public Schools in regards to making sure that we had necessary masks that we need for each student, the necessary cleaning materials, and we had to make sure that everybody was trained and understand how to go about being next to each other uh, within our classroom. Because as teachers, we are literally next to our students. So, you know, when, when it comes to these bargaining rights, we're not just protecting ourselves, we're protecting our students and our students' families as well. Yeah, and I'll add to that, like, IPI, the Illinois Policy Institute, is extremely right-wing. They were sort of the leading entity to push the Bruce Rauner agenda. Um, They are tied to, it's not even that the fact that they're tied to large corporations and corporate power. It's the fact that they are tied to even the most heinous, most right-wing, most anti-worker corporate entities and billionaires, not only just in the state, but in this country, and are committed, committed to the idea that we need to drain the wealth of the working class to benefit the pockets of the sort of top 1%, uh, the rich. And honestly, when they look at the Workers' Rights Amendment, I mean, this is just about the fact that they're attacking the power of working people, and particularly Black and Latinx working people. I mean, let me just add to that. Let's just give an example. Why wouldn't you want a firefighter to be able to fight for good working conditions? Uh, and and, I, and I, I'm just using firefighters as an example because my father's a retired firefighter. And I remember him talking about how, um, you know, the equipment that they needed, you know, to stay safe. You know, we, 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 we go out and, you know, we, we perform our work duties. And so our, our families expect us to come home. And so we need that collective bargaining so that we can make sure we get the resources that we need while we at work for good working conditions. On these commercials, they talk about how it's going to raise taxes, how it's going to hurt Illinois families. And this is the same organization that opposed the fair tax amendment last year, which would have actually benefited the working class people by shifting the burden of taxation onto the the ultra wealthy. They oppose that. And then they complain about the fact that it's going to increase taxes if in theory, according to them. And, you know, if they had really cared about that, that would have been something they would have fought for prior to this. Exactly. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, if they really cared about this, the fact of the matter is there are people who've been making money hand over fist for the last three to four years during this pandemic. And working class people have been struggling to pay rent uh, and their housing and food and groceries. I mean, it just goes to show that they will say anything and do anything to undermine working class powers, particularly attack unions. Yeah, because we know that unions uh, are more likely to give a person, a worker, a decent livable wage. And so um, that's definitely one reason why 
they don't want this on the ballot. But it's going to be on the ballot, and I believe it will pass. So, um, Ms. Kimberly Walls-Kirk, um, can you explain your role as a chair of the Political Action Committee? And can you talk about what being in a union um, that has real collective bargaining power means to you? And also, my question is, right, and can you talk about why we're fighting to preserve this right for all workers in the state? Okay, I'm going to try and tackle it one at a time, but I'm going to have to ask you to go back and repeat part of that question. So as the chair of the Political Action Committee, I'm really working with the team. And we sit down and we interview individuals or those who are elected politicians who want to become an elected politician um, who, who seek our endorsement as a Chicago Teachers Union endorsement. They go through this questionnaire and we, we interview them to see if their stance aligns with our stance, our values. And then once we, we, we go through it, we do our debate back and forth, and then we take it to the House, the Political Action Committee. We do not decide who gets endorsed. So um, the endorsement comes from the, the House of Delegates. Once we decide if we want to uh, endorse someone, we give that recommendation. Let me use that word. We recommend that the Chicago Teachers Union endorses someone. And then we go to the House of Delegates and then we do our, just like, like on the Senate floor, like how you see in our Congress, we go back and forth. Why, why should we, why should we not endorse this person? Does this, do their vision align with us? And then we, we decide if the House of Delegates, you know, uh, uh, votes um, a majority vote. So that's really my role as the political action uh, committee chair. What was the other question? Can you talk about what being in a union that has real collective bargaining power means to you? I think of uh, Governor Prisker, and he has done such a tremendous job with the legislature, with our union, is making sure our working conditions were met. You know, so let me, I just want to bag that up and, and say that being a part of the union to me is having that opportunity to have a voice with my boss. My boss is Chicago Public Schools with management and saying, you know what, mm, this isn't going to where we need to, we collectively as a whole, the employees, we need to say, mm, this isn't safe. And it, and, it, and it just might be just something that the boss overlooks or that the boss has a different priority than what the worker has. And it allows us to go to the table and say, yeah, you know, I understand your rationale, but your rationale is in theory. I'm actually doing this in practice. And this is what it looks like when it's in practice. So we can do that back and forth um, and have that conversation. I bought up Governor Prisker because he has done such a good job with, with looking at how we've been going through this in practice and putting a lot of this legislature uh, in place. Oh, that makes sense. Maybe it's because it's the, uh, the Halloween season. Everybody's trying to scare everybody. But, you know, the, the Illinois Policy Institute is not the only group who has these scare tactics, like trying to scare voters into supporting our view. I, we've got another group, the Illinois Network of Charter Schools, who's back is backing these right wing extremist politicians such as Representative Chris Boss of Lake Zurich with mailers attacking what's called the Safety Act. They're using inflammatory and racist rhetoric about releasing criminals onto the streets. And, you know, let's be reasonable, we'll be clear about all this here. Like they're not nobody's talking about putting charter schools in Lake Zurich. Right. Lake Zurich's already got good schools. They've already got schools that nobody's going to want to have any competition with these charter schools. That's for other neighborhoods. That's not for them. INCS figures that boss is going to help them out when it comes time to privatize public education. So they're spending almost $12,000 a piece on mailers using tactics, these scare tactics to target the Safety Act, which Senator Peters, you're a sponsor of. Can you talk about why this bill eliminates cash bail? 
why that's such a good idea, and what's so wrong about Inc.'s rhetoric on this. Yeah. So, I mean, first thing to say is eliminating cash bail means that we move from determining someone's freedom from being based on how much money they have in their wallet to whether they're a threat to a person or they're going to fly and leave you know, the country. And too often, it means like there can be people who could be accused of you know, small things, big things, anything, but because they have money, they walk home, they see their family, they go back to their job, they live their life. But the people who don't literally have their family separated, they can lose their housing, uh, they can lose their job, they can lose it all. Uh, and we're talking about anything from, it could be $100, $200. And so we want to say, let's move money from the decision. So how does that connect to what Inks did? This stuff that I found extremely disappointing. Inks brags on their website that charter schools are in 87, 90%, you know, Black and Latinx communities in, in Illinois. They talk about how so many of their students are on food assistance programs. They're literally talking about Black and Latinx working class communities, people who will not be able to afford to pay high bonds and need to have a new system that isn't based off how much money they have in their wallets. And so it fundamentally contradicts what Inks is saying that they want to achieve and do by using this type of rhetoric to support a right-wing Republican state rep. I hope that they change their decision, decide not to go down this path because it's, it's just dangerous and it's unfair to the you know, students that they say they serve. Right. And, you know, one thing about the, the cash bail system, I want to make sure everybody's clear on it. it. It doesn't just mean that somebody's spending the night in jail or the weekend in jail. This means if Senator Peters and I, we committed the same crime and he's got money he, to pay bail, he gets out. I could be there for months and months awaiting trial. I've not been convicted of anything. I've not had a jury tell me that I am, uh, you know, I'm guilty of any particular crime. My only crime is I can't afford to get out of jail, right? And, and that's what this is really doing. When that happens, it literally makes people decide to take pleas. 90% plus people who are incarcerated are doing it from a plea deal. I mean, Cook County Jail is not like, you know, a nice hotel you get to stay in. It's a hundred plus year old building that is just absolutely disgusting and vile. And you're stuck in there and you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. And they then go, okay, well, we stacked a bunch of charges on you, right? So they do a lot of BS charges. And then they go, you don't have any money, you can't get out. Oh, you know, you want to be able to see your family. Well, here's what we can do. If you just agree to this, you know, you can get out and then you can see your family. And the other part that happens is a lot of people kind of, they don't directly lie, but you you put people in a in, in a meat grinder, and then they make decisions from that point. So again, yeah, it's not it's not about public safety. If anything, cash bail as we know it makes us less safe, makes us more vulnerable. Getting rid of that system allows us to focus on a safety standard for whether we're going to detain someone. And I think that organizations like Inks should not be uh, swimming in the same waters as right wing talking points. Yeah, that's right. I mean, their their own website claims that they are the voice of Illinois charter schools and that their mission is to transform lives and communities. Yet the lobbying arm of Inks is supporting this idea, fanning the flames of mass incarceration, imprisoning the parents of the children they claim to care about. Hypocritical. Super hypocritical. So, Senator Peters, can you tell our listening audience 
uh, how critical it is to get this amendment to pass and what will it take to get this amendment to pass? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is that everybody should vote on this amendment and vote for it. So it's 60 percent of anyone who votes on the amendment or it's 50 percent plus one of all voters who vote in the election. And if you don't vote, that vote is counted as a no vote. So, again, to repeat, it's important that everybody listening votes on this amendment, votes for it. Don't skip it. And we will be able to transform the Constitution to look out for working people in Illinois. As um, Kim alluded to earlier, we want to be able to bargain with our employee. We want to be able to have a conversation with our boss without feeling intimidated, without feeling overlooked. And if we can bargain on behalf of everybody, not just individually, everybody will benefit, not just the individual, but the whole segment of workers. So a yes vote is a yes in favor of livable wages, Um, being able to work in a safe working environment where you hold your boss or your employer accountable. This is a no-brainer if you're the 99%. Agreed. (laughs) That's my skill. Unfortunately, we got a lot of people with no brains who are trying to really push this thing and scare everybody into doing it. And that's that's why they're doing it. Like as Senator Peters said, if you don't vote, it counts as a no vote. So we're trying to scare people. Because, you know, the other side doesn't care why you don't vote. They just care you don't. They want to make sure that it doesn't pass by any means. And and scare tactics are the way to go, apparently. Can, can the teacher um, let me give an example of that? So you're saying that if my husband and I go to the polls and I vote for the amendment and my husband is voting, but he skips over that vote and votes on everything else, that counts as a no vote? In the sense that it won't count towards that 50% plus one, yes. They essentially count how many yes votes there are out of the total number of votes. It's kind of confusing on that, but that's why we got to get everybody out and everybody say yes. And I just want to thank both of you guys for joining us today. This is very informative, letting us know about what the PAC is and letting us know about all these different issues that are coming up, um, the, the Workers' Rights Amendment, making sure that we get everything taken care of on the ballot this uh, this coming term. Yes, November 8th, please vote. And Kim, before you leave, because you are chair of the Political Action Committee, can you tell our listening viewers, especially members of the CTU, how can they join the Political Action Committee? So what they can do is they can go to ctulocal1.org forward slash PAC, and they can sign up there. Easy breezy. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us. I really appreciate all your information. Definitely. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. You all have a good evening. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of CTU Speaks. Vote yes for workers' rights. So when November comes, vote yes for workers' rights. Mm -hmm. Because a no vote is a no vote. That's right. And Jim, if they want to reach us because they have any questions, comments, or concerns, how can they do it? Well, they could try calling us at 312-467-8888. And I'll say it twice because Ms. Parker always does. It is 312-467-8888. And where can they email us, Ms. Parker? CTU Speaks at ctulocal1.org. That's right. And we'll have all the links to the things we talked about here in the podcast in the show notes, as well as links to our committee's 
that you can be part of that we're always trying to get people to be part in because that's where all the work here at CTU is done in the committee structure. So please uh, join up, find what you find interesting, and we could definitely use your voice. Absolutely. So thank you again for listening to this episode of CTU Speaks, where we only speak what matters. Until next time. Bye, guys.